welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 139 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. It is trade deadline day. Well, at least when we're recording this, it is. A lot of fun moves went down today and yesterday, last couple of days. Very active trade deadline. A lot of teams making moves. A lot of fun moves from a fantasy perspective and for prospects as well. And we're going to break it all down today. And with me to do so, my esteemed colleague, my 80 grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, man? How uh, how'd you enjoy trade deadline day? It was hard to keep up, man. So much was <laughs> happening. It's crazy uh, deadline for sure. Um, a lot of big names moved and surprise names, a lot of prospects too to talk about. So it's going to be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I t- took this day off from work. I got as soon as I knew when the deadline was, I took it off from work. I'm like, all right, I need to sit home, just like <laughs> tweet about all this and and write about it, and more so just be able to follow all of it on my you know refreshing Twitter every five seconds to see what you know Passan or Olney or or Heyman and all of them are are saying. And yeah, there was uh, and we started off with the really what kicked it off was that Luis Castillo deal a couple of days ago. We already talked about that last episode, so we, we won't again today. But a lot of fun trades today. Of course, headlined by the Juan Soto going to San Diego. We'll get into that in a second here, but before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel. And of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ including a lot of fantasy football stuff. Uh, you know, obviously that's ramping up here, but still got a lot of baseball content out there. So check that out as well. All right. Let's start with Juan Soto deal here. Obviously that was the one that everyone kind of thought would happen. It was down to like St. Louis and Padres. And obviously the Dodgers were still in the Padres end up getting it done for a, it's funny. It's a, it's a massive haul, but still feels a bit light just compared to obviously you're not going to get a quote unquote, like fair return for, a guy like Juan Soto and Josh Bell goes to, to uh, San Diego in this deal as well. Going back to Washington, Luke Voigt, it was going to be Hosmer at first, then he rejected that because he has San Diego or Washington on his no trade clause. So Voigt goes over as the major league piece along with CJ Abrams, Robert Hassel the third, James Wood, Mackenzie Gore, and Jarlin Susanna. Very good return. A lot of intriguing players here. But let's start with Soto and Bell. Obviously, Chris, uh, a slight, and that doesn't obviously change the value too much for these guys, but slight uptick, I got to think, for both of them just because better lineup around them. You could have Manny Machado, you know, Jake Cronenworth, and eventually, hopefully, Tatis Jr. will be back and in the middle of that lineup as well. So nice little uptick in value for both Soto and Bell. Oh, for sure. It's uh, a big value boost for sure um, with. Soto, obviously, the lineup context is significant. He's already one of the best hitters in baseball, but now in one of the best lineups in baseball. And that top of the order is going to be ridiculous. Bell was having a really quiet season, not really getting as much love as he deserved, I think. And now he also lands in a much better spot. And 
he should see a tick in value too. So that uh, those landing spots are pretty ideal for both. I'm still a hard time believing they got both in that deal. They got Bell back too, which is crazy. But Padres are going to be a tough team to compete with. And you know, for fantasy, you know, you got to love this landing spot for both those guys. And then the Dodgers countered by getting Joey Gallo, <laughs> which I, I love how someone I forget who it was, uh, but on Twitter someone put it as like. Uh, pa- both Padres and Dodgers acquired two-time all-star outfielder today. Like, all right, that's one way to put it because that technically is accurate. But, yeah, it was kind of funny, Joey Gallo going. That's, so now they have Gallo, Muncie, and Bellinger. But that lineup, like I said, that lineup is still going to be – It's like I think it was their second in run score in baseball behind the Yankees, obviously because Aaron Judge is going berserk. But they've been doing that with Muncie and Bellinger kind of stinking up the place, and now you got Gallo. We'll see if that kind of drops the playing time for Bellinger or for Muncie if they move, you know, Bellinger back to first base a little bit more. Who knows? But you know, that's kind of fun. And like, get him out of New York, I guess. That's kind of funny how that didn't work out. Like everyone's like, oh, left handed power, Yankee Stadium is great. But Gallo was just like, nope, not going to do anything here. Yeah. But now he goes to the like Dodgers. The pressure. the pressure of playing in New York just didn't really work for him, it seems. Yeah. He was kind of vocal about that too over the last couple of days of how he kind of felt scared to like just go out on the streets because the pressure of playing in a Yankees uniform, you have to wonder what kind of you know mental state he was in, obviously slumping like that. So, you know, the Dodgers are a team that could fix him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get hot right. in the second half. Right. You know? But then again, like LA is not like that much better for the playing than New York. It's like yeah. still the second biggest media market in the country. Dodgers fans can be ruthless too, you know, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not. I don't want anything to do with Joey Gallo, but right. it wouldn't surprise me if if the Dodgers fixed him or at least found some use out of him. I don't know if "fix" is the right term, but if they find some use out of Joey Gallo one way or another. That would not shock me in the slightest. But you know, that's obviously not a big move here. This one is back to this deal here. You know, going to Washington, Abrams, Hassel, Wood, Gore, Susanna, and Voigt. A lot of fun names there. Obviously. You know, C.J. Abrams, who they've already demoted the AAA, which makes no sense whatsoever. But anyway, Abrams, you know, he's been, he heated up a little bit in July, hit 292 in July. But power speed has not been there. You know, Chris, let's start with, with him. Do you think now is a, a prime time to buy low on Abrams? Like, Are you still as high on Abrams now as you were coming into the season, or has your expectations adjusted a little bit? Yeah, I don't think anything's changed. I think Abrams was prematurely called up by the Padres in a desperation move with injuries with the Tatis injury specifically to get, you know, spark in the lineup. Obviously they had a good lineup, but trying to just make more happen there. And now he's got a new home. There's way less pressure. I mean, I think that he's up, I know he's was option to AAA, but I think he's probably back up soon. And yeah. I think it's the prime time to buy on him. I, I really do. I, my expectations long-term haven't changed. I mean, we're looking at what 21 year old who you know, struggled in a couple months of a debut and, that doesn't really worry me in the slightest when we're looking at this whole situation of everything going on with Abrams. And I think the move is probably a good one for him, at least for now. He's playing in a pressure-free environment. The Nats are going to have you know, a younger core around him. So I'm uh, I'm on board with that for sure. I, I'm, I'd say go out and acquire him if you could in the dynasty because I think it is a prime time. Yeah, I think the, I think the Nationals just kind of didn't screw him up, but definitely hindered his progression a little bit by – promoting him aggressively this year. Like, say if he had last year and played all of last year, but he didn't. He played like, like like 35, 40 games last year. Then he had the injury, which kept him out the last like three quarters of that season. 
So yeah, I'm still pretty high on him. I, I have dropped him in my rankings a bit. You kind of have to, but I still think he's a you know 15 to 18 homer bat with you know 270, 280 average, a lot of runs scored, 30 plus steals. Obviously, he's an elite runner, so you know definitely a good time to buy low on him. And then what about Gore though? Let's go to Gore before we go to the you know the actual prospects here. Gore has had really a a roller coaster career, really, including the minors. You know, his entire professional career has been very up and down. Obviously, he was number one prospect in baseball. Uh, then he had the rough kind of 2020, 2021. And then he really broke out again this year, first uh, couple months of the season. He was very good. You look at from opening day until June 4th, 48 innings pitched, 150 ERA, 1.06 whip. 8.9% walk rate, 30% K rate, 199 betting average against. And then in 22 innings since then, from June 5th to now, 11.05 ERA, 236 whip, 16.8% walk rate, so almost double there, 12.6% strikeout rate, so more walks than strikeouts, 330 betting average against. So I've been very vocal that, you know, obviously the talent is there for sure, but it is concerning to me that these similar issues that plagued him a couple, you know, a year or so ago are kind of popping back up. Maybe change of scenery could do him some good. I don't know, but I don't know where are you at on Gord? Is it are you worried too and kind of staying away, or are you looking to buy low if you can? Well, I'm wondering if the poor performance recently has been due to the injury, and you know they've said it's nothing serious. Like they, from what I saw, he said he's going to be back out soon on the mound, but I just wonder like, has he been injured for some time and it kind of affected that? Was he pitching hurt? Cause he, he was dominating. As you mentioned to begin the year. So my outlook hasn't really changed, even though it's been a roller coaster season, I do have the concerns about Washington's you know pitching development. It's just not been great. I mean, we've yep. seen them just not develop arms. The arms that they've purchased at high dollar amounts have been terrible, so I think that is worth noting. Cavalli's been okay. I think he's taken a step back. I think that Cole Henry's taken a step back this year. So all those are, are worth noting, and it, you wonder if that has to factor in with with Gore. Hopefully not. I hope that he can still be a solid arm, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about their pitching development. Yeah, I'm there with you. You've seen that with Cavalli's kind of still showing the upside, but he's kind of fallen off a little bit as he got to the upper levels. Cole Henry's been really good, but he's always hurt. So who knows what you get with, with him moving forward. But just in general, though, this, you know, remember like a year or so ago, Chris, when we and I were doing our team-by-team team prospect stuff, and we got to the Nats, are like, <laughs> man, this is rough. Yeah, It's it's rough anymore. You look at, as I pull up um, my top prospect rankings for the Nationals, and after this trade, obviously trading away Soto helps in replenishing a farm system. And this is without including Gore and Abrams, who have both graduated. Their top, what's it, top nine, Hassel, Green, Elijah Green, James Wood, Brady Howish, Christian Vaquero, Cole Henry, Kate Cavalli, Jeremy De La Rosa, who's having a nice breakout year, and then Gerald and Susanna is their top nine. Then it kind of falls off. But that's that's seven top 100 guys for me, with Kate Cavalli being seventh at 96 overall in my rankings. That is a very, very good uh, kind of top of their system. Yeah, no doubt. It's a significant improvement. And that kind of started with the draft last year with House, and then they added, obviously, Elijah Green this year. And in the trades, I mean, they've done well. I mean, you look at what the Padres sent. And, you know, it's easy to say that the return felt light because anything 
for Soto was going to feel light. I mean, just looking at overall what Soto is, it's nearly impossible to provide value. But I don't think they could have done much better. I mean, we're looking at C.J. Abrams, who was once a top 10 prospect. We're looking at Robert Hassel, who's definitely a top 10 prospect. Mackenzie Gore was once the best pitching prospect in baseball. James Wood's trending towards that top 10 prospect status. His bat's been insanely good this year. So I think they did really well, and the farm system has taken you know, massive improvement forward. Yeah, and, and James, obviously Robert Hassel, we've talked about a lot. He's, he's top five for me. I think I have him fourth or fifth right now. Needs to kind of curb the ground ball issue a little bit here, but there's a really solid, it's like a top 50 fantasy player potential in that profile. This well-rounded high, you know, high average, good OBP, 15, 18 home runs, 20, 25 steals, something like that. So like him a lot. And then, yeah, James Wood is an absolute beast. Apparently he's drawn some Willie McCovey comps, which is insane, but I see it. You know, he's a, he's a big dude. He's very strong. Very athletic for his size as well, can run well. I think he could average, you know, at least add, you know, double digit steals early on in the career. We'll see how the body, you know, kind of progresses as he gets into his late 20s. But early on, I think there'll be some speed to his game. And he's proven to be a much better hitter than I think anyone really gave him credit for when, uh, when drafted last year. He's, he's shown to be, you know, better contact skills, better approach. So, yeah, I put him 29 this past update last week, and I already realized that was not high enough. I, already, I just bumped him again up to it was like 18 or 19, and he could be top 10 very soon. I know, so I think James Anderson had him 11th or something like that. So, yeah, the upside, there's, I think there's a higher ceiling. Are you talking about pure ceiling? I think there's a little bit higher ceiling for Wood than Hassel. Would you agree with that? I think so. I mean, Hassel's probably the much safer option, but, but Wood's ceiling is insanely high. So, yeah. Both are great kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we could talk about this deal for, for days on end, but uh, we're really, but Jarl Susanna is another one real quick. We don't have to go deep into him, but if you're like, you know, 300 plus prospects rostered in your league, he's a great get right now. You're done in rookie ball. He, he was signed this past January. Uh, he's definitely, he's got 44 K's and like 29 innings right now, you know, solid enough command of control, but real good, good fastball has a good breaker as well. He's a guy that could really fly up rankings. So if you if you got a, in a deeper dynasty league, under plus prospects rostered, he's definitely one to keep an eye on for sure. And then the other deal, actually, which they actually did first, was a lot, uh, night before San Diego acquired Josh Hader from Milwaukee for Estuary Ruiz, Robert Gasser, Denison Lament, and Taylor Rogers. A lot of uh, fantasy implications here. Obviously, we got to expect Hader's going to be the closer to San Diego. No doubt about that. But then going back to Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee's probably going to have Devin Williams step into that role. He's been very, very good this year. He kind of had a rough second half last year, but he's been back to being one of the better relievers in baseball. And and these players, well, I think it's a little light of a return. Ruiz has some intrigue. Obviously, he had 60 steals in the minor leagues this year and a breakout year offensively as well. Gasser is intriguing, uh, more of like a back-end starter profile. But getting him into Milwaukee, I think, is only good for his value obviously they've had a great track record developing arms recently and then lament maybe they can salvage him and make him into a solid bullpen piece but what were your thoughts on this deal overall and, and the uh, the values that happened because of it yeah it was a interesting move um you know it was it's tough to see how this one plays out i mean hater obviously has been the best reliever in baseball for a long time, which is funny because you know, I know Taylor Rogers has stumbled the last couple of weeks, but he's been 
pretty dang good himself. And then you add Ruiz, who's been kind of – he's kind of popped off some this year. I think there's questions about what kind of power he gets to, even though um, his power numbers were pretty good in the minors. Uh, Robert Gaster, I think, is pretty under-the-radar pitcher. And maybe Denelson Lamette's a reclamation project for Milwaukee. I mean, they've you know done a great – like unlike Washington, they've done an excellent job at developing arms. So – this could be fun to see. Obviously, for San Diego, it makes sense because you know Hader really shores up that bullpen. They knew what they were doing. They were going to go out and you know make a ton more moves after this, and they're making a run at the World Series. So it, it makes sense for what they're doing, and maybe this move works out for both parties. You know, in the sense where Hader helps the Padres this year, and I think he's under contract one more year, and you also see uh, Milwaukee develop these arms and. And Taylor Rogers also in that bullpen is solid. Yeah, definitely an interesting move all the way around here. Let's let's stick with San Diego because they weren't done. You know, Hosmer was in that Soto deal at first. He blocked it. So what happens to Hosmer? He comes to my Red Sox. Uh, oh my God, Chris! I, I I don't know if you saw my Twitter timeline, but I I was not very happy about that. I just, I just don't know what the Red Sox are doing. This year, it made no sense that they're trying to be buyers and sellers at the same time, which usually doesn't work out that well. Sox also got Tommy Pham from Cincinnati for a player to be named later. Or I traded Christian Vasquez to Houston for a couple of prospects. It's a really an odd uh, deadline for the Red Sox, but in this deal, so they, it sounds like San Diego eat a good amount of that money. I haven't seen the exact financials yet, but Hosmer, Max Ferguson, who has like a thousand steals this year. But really, the bat—he's probably more of like a pinch runner type long term. Uh, and Corey Rozier, who I think we both kind of like a little bit, good little power speed blend in the lower minors. We'll see if he can develop into something coming to Boston. And then Boston also sent Jay Groom over to San Diego because. And Jay Groom is—I've seen him a few times live. He's not good. He's just not good. So no value there. And then the other move by San Diego. They acquired Brandon Drury, who's having a really nice year, uh, was in San, uh, Cincinnati, excuse me, and they sent Victor Acosta over to Cincinnati, who was also kind of having a, a kind of a down year after a breakout year in the DSL last year. So, you know, take both these deals here. What, what are your thoughts? And is there any uh, – do you like that move for Drury to San Diego? Do you think he can keep it up? And thoughts on Acosta, Rozier, and all that? Well, I'm just assuming that Drury probably loses a lot of value just from the standpoint of he's going to be in – more of a super utility role. I mean, he was an everyday player and arguably one of the best hitters in the Reds lineup, but now he goes to a team where he's not going to be one of the best hitters on the roster and that's okay. But I do think he loses some playing time, which could hurt his value a bit. I'm still in on Victor Acosta, honestly. Um, You know, I don't really see too much regression. I'm still a fan of uh, his profile you know, for what Jay Groom got you, I mean, yeah, you take on a little money with Hosmer, which I, I think they did eat a little bit of it. But getting Max Ferguson is obviously a good get, and Corey Rogier as well. Both are intriguing guys to get. And so I think it's almost worth it that you take on Hosmer, who's a good glove, and you're going to get questions. No, he's not going to block Tristan Casas. Casas obviously hasn't been good this year. He's He's been pretty poor. So – He's been better since he's come back, you know, the last week or so. But I don't think when when Costas is ready, he's going to come up. Hosmer, you know, he'll do whatever. There's a DH spot for a reason. So one Hosmer may play first. Costas may DH for a bit. Who knows how it all shakes out? But it's not going to affect their de- timelines by any means. So um, I like the move in general. 
Yeah, I think it was just weird for the Red Sox overall what they were doing this year. But in terms of San Diego, they did very well here. They got you know a good super utility guy in Drury, and yeah, you know, they gave up basically you know eighty percent of their top ten prospects, I believe. But hey, to get a generational talent like Soto, and really, I think you can put generational reliever tag on Josh Hader with what he's done for the last handful of years, and kind of sure up that back into the bullpen, which was kind of in flux. Like you know, Luis Garcia was kind of stepping into that role. He was a big fab bid this past weekend. That's all for not now. So that sucks to everybody that puts uh, some big bucks down on Luis Garcia. But yeah, definitely a lot of good moves being done by San Diego. But not surprising. They always seem to be active in the uh, trade market every year. All right. So many more deals to get to here. So let's step away from San Diego. Uh, Let's go over to, uh, we can go many different ways here. Let's go uh, Whit Merrifield here. He went to Toronto and two prospects, Samad Taylor and Max Castillo to Kansas City. Got to assume, I think Witt was, wasn't Witt one of the guys that was not uh, vaccinated and missed that series, if I recall, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so you got you got to think that he's, uh, he's going to get vaccinated now if he's going to go play with Toronto. But, you know, Witt is kind of you know, falling off this year. You still see some some solid value to be had with, with Witt Merrifield here, Chris. Do you think he's a, a good buy for a contending team in Dynasty right now? Yeah, I actually do. It's uh, his values shrunk pretty tremendously this year, but he's picked it up. He's been significantly better as of recent, and now he's going to have more incentive being in a lineup that's going to compete and contend. Like this is now moving to one of the better lineups in baseball. Where does he get in the lineup? That's a good question. How that shakes out, but I do think there's a lot of value to be had with Merrifield. I think it could be fun. He's going to score a lot of runs. And you know, depending on where he is in the lineup, he could even drive in a lot. Stolen base value is still going to be there. I mean, over the last month, he hit 284 and it had a 500-plus slug, three home runs, four stolen bases. Obviously, you want a few more stolen bases than that, but I do think he's going to provide good value. I think he's obviously going to be maybe the everyday second baseman or play some outfield. We'll see how all that shakes out. Yeah, I think – Initially here, definitely the, the biggest hit will be the Santiago Espinal, who's been playing second base mostly for, for Toronto this year. He's, he's done all right. He's had you know a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, not great, but definitely one of like a nice deeper league pickup earlier on in the year. But yeah, you gotta imagine his playing time is the the biggest hit here because they're not taking, you know, guys like Springer and T Oscar out of the lineup who are playing center field uh and uh, right field right now for Toronto. And and Carrillo has been heating up of late as well. So I think they keep him in the lineup. So Maybe Witt doesn't play quite every day. It does get Espinal in there. Maybe this gives you know guys like Springer and Tiosker a little bit more rest. They've had some injuries, obviously, a little bit banged up over the years. So I think this is, it was a good move for Kansas City because they didn't really give up. You know, Samad Taylor back in, in uh, Mexico Castillo, I not really anybody that I think they're going to really regret trading here. And then uh, real quick in Kansas City, who do you think is any? Is there any big you know beneficiaries in Kansas City or? Probably Nicky Lopez gets in there a bit more uh, at second base. Maybe this gives more time in the outfield to guys like Isbell and and all of them. But do you see any uh, big increases here in value in Kansas City, Chris? Probably not. Nicky Lopez is just not fantasy relevant, honestly. Yeah. Um, the outfield could be interesting. I mean, we talked about Drew Waters in the last episode. Maybe he gets a shot. I don't know. It could be interesting how the outfield plays. I think it probably cements more playing time for Nick Prado, which is good. Uh, see what he's got. Kyle Isbell, I know Edward Oliver is currently on the IL. So this outfield could open up some more playing time for people, which 
you know, that, that is the exciting part here, but you know, Nicky Lopez, man, I don't think it does much for him personally. I remember when he was kind of a thing back in draft season for a little <laughs> bit because of that speed. And then that just hasn't, it's like him and miles straw are getting a lot of run or a lot of publicity in, in draft season because of that speed and how valuable, you know, speed is obviously for fantasy, but didn't really work out for either of them, but Let's stick right here in the American League East because the Yankees made some moves here. A couple moves, actually. They went out and acquired Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino from Oakland in exchange for Ken Waldachuk, Cooper Bowman, and J.P. Sears. And they also went out. This was kind of like last minute right before the deadline happened at 6 p.m. They swapped Harrison uh, Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader with the St. Louis Cardinals and you know, that really was a, a really solid move for both teams. Like the Yankees, with the addition of Montas, they 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 could afford to trade a guy like Jordan Montgomery, who's kind of been scuffling a bit of late to to get someone like uh, Bader, who's coming back from injury right now. He won't be back next week or two. Uh, it's been a foot injury, if I recall. But just getting his defense in center field, I think, is huge for them moving forward. And they still have, you know, the top four, Going into the into the postseason, once Severino is back, it's going to be Cole, Montas, Severino, and Nestor Cortez, and they still got Jameson Tyon and Domingo Herman as well. So that was really really good. And then obviously they made the Gallo deal, which we already kind of mentioned. They got Clayton Beater back from the Dodgers, who's intriguing with terms of the stuff, having you know a, a kind of a tough year overall. And then they also made another trade, turning away Hayden Wesneski the Cubs for Scott Efros, who probably factors into the back end of that bullpen as well. Let's start there with the back end of that bullpen. With them adding Trevino and Efros, I still think it's um, uh, why am I blanking on his Clay name? Holmes. What's that? Clay Holmes. Yeah, thank you, Clay Holmes. I was just trying to complete blank here. <laughs> I think he's kind of not quite as good as he was early in the year, but I still think it's him, and then it's going to be that next group of like Trevino, Chapman, Efros, Loizaga. Uh, so you think that's the, the case or do you see any of these other guys kind of factoring into for save opportunities here, Chris? I think Clay Holmes is still the safe option for now. I could see Efros getting a chance though. If he does falter, I like Efros a good bit. Obviously Chapman's kind of fallen out of favor. Trevino hasn't been great, but you know, maybe he can be fixed a bit. So I think it's still Holmes job to lose at the moment and that could change very quickly. So you never really know how it's going to shake out, but for now I do feel pretty comfortable with Holmes. And then after that, you know, you could go a lot of different directions with it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in agreement there. In terms of some of the arms that, uh, you know, that went to uh, the starting pitchers, I should say, Montgomery going out to St. Louis and Montas coming in. You see any, any big value changes there? I got to feel slight decrease in value for Montas. I was going from Oakland, that spacious ballpark, to Yankee Stadium and to the American League East with a lot of tough, offenses and tough divisions uh parks to pitch in montgomery i feel is a slight increase going to st louis not not anything like massive but he has been struggling a, a lot lately after really being pretty consistent in the first couple months of the season but w- what do you think for uh, montas and, and jordan montgomery yeah you know for montas i think everybody's excited about him being on the yankees which obviously could produce more wins but at the same time you're right uh the ballpark change the division he pitches in i think all those things need to factor and it could kind of be a wash for fantasy value you could see an increased ratios and then at the same time he could also get more wins so the value kind of equals out in a sense montgomery's interesting he seems like he's like 
the prototypical like St. Louis arm, which is interesting. So <laughs> he is, yeah. yeah. It could be interesting to see how he works out. I do like the move here for Montgomery, and it was an interesting move. It's kind of one of those like unexpected type moves to see a Bader for Montgomery, but I think it does kind of suit to both teams' needs in a sense. And then you see, I think that the Yankees feel comfortable with Domingo Herman as their five, and they're kind of gearing up for the postseason where they can go to four in the in the rotation. So. You know, Montgomery's a high ground ball guy. The Cardinals have you know, good defense in the infield, so it could suit well for him. Um, I still like him. I think he could be a solid arm moving forward. You know, high high three ZRA type. I think there's value to be had in that. So it's an interesting move there. But yeah, I like the move for Bader. You know, honestly, Wesneski's underrated. I think we could see him in the Cubs rotation before long. So that could kind of be fun. See what he's got. I mean, he's 24 years old, so I think he'll be getting his chance soon. So. I thought he was one of the better prospects to get traded. Honestly, it's close to the majors, so that uh, that could be fun to see if he gets a shot. The Cubs rotation looks um, absolutely brutal right now. I just want to pull it up and read it. What roster resource has of the rotations? Here we go. So they have Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley, Adrian Sampson, Keegan Thompson, and Justin Steele. How how does Drew Smiley keep like getting rotation spots? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. No. I don't understand it. He's he's not that good anymore. No. Yeah, that that is you know it's getting Stroman back helps, and the the Cubs are weird too. The Cubs I thought would be sellers that they trade off maybe Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras. I think was the the prime trade candidate. They didn't do anything. Maybe they think they can you know add some pieces and be a contender next year. I don't know. They were one of the teams that kind of uh, confused me with what they were doing this uh, yeah. today, but. But yeah, these are. I think you could see Wesneski up at some point this year. I think you could even see JP Sears and Waldachuk up with Oakland at some point this year as well. Like, why not? Right? Like, there's not really any reason to not give these guys a look. You know, Waldachuk's been up. He hasn't been quite as good lately, but he's been up in Triple A for I think a 10, 11 starts now. Sears already had a little bit of a cameo with the Yankees earlier this year. So I, I think you can see all three of these guys uh, at some point up with their respective teams. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here, get a word from our sponsors. We will be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. The 4.0 package by Manscaped has arrived. And it's a game changer. Inside the package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is a trimmer of the future and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to help reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming game even further. In the Performance 4.0 package, you will find the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides the proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce 
nicks, and snags and tugs. The crop preserver below the waist deodorant and crop reviver below the waist toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for you in the 4.0 package, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort in your boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TOOLSHED. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity for you and get 20% off today and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back from the break here. So many more moves to get into, so let's get right back to it. A lot of uh, a lot of pitchers on the move here today, especially near the end of the day or before that 6 p.m. trade deadline on the East Coast. Let's start with Tyler Malley going from Cincinnati to Minnesota. This is the was it Sunny Gray? Was that deal last year or year before, Chris? I feel like it was last year. I thought so too. So it might be the second year in a row that these two teams have made a, a similar deal yeah. at the at the deadline. I forget who went back in that in that deal, but uh the Sunny Gray deal, I mean. But this year, Tyler Malley going to Minnesota for Steven Hajar, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Spencer Steer. You know, Hajar is always like kind of like a back end tough. 400 guy for me in that range. I don't think he made my last 400, but probably wasn't that far off. But Encarnacion Strand and Steer are two pretty solid names here. We'll talk about them before we get to uh, Tyler Malley, who obviously I think has a good, nice little value rise as well. But Encarnacion Strand, I think, is the biggest name here. He ranked, uh, I think it was right around 150 for me in this uh, my past update last week. And I already kind of feel like that was a, a bit too low. He's having a very good year. Uh, in I think it was in high A, uh, high A and double A this year. He's got the double A a couple weeks ago. Overall, in 390 plate appearances, slashing 302, 374, 612, 25 doubles, 25 home runs, even had eight steals, 34 walks to 99 Ks in those 87 games. You think Encarnacion Strand, obviously the power's there. You know, the hit tool seems solid enough. Maybe he's only a 50 grade hit tool guy, but maybe he's a 50 hit, 60 power type that's. You know, Minnesota. Those that's like Minnesota mold. But going to Cincinnati now, maybe he can be the the first baseman that takes over when Joey Votto finally retires. So I think this is a nice little get here for uh, for Cincinnati. Yeah, I certainly agree. And he's shown versatility, being able to play both corner spots, which is obviously a positive. Minnesota, he was kind of blocked, so the ballpark upgrade is pretty significant here. And you know, though the team context may not be as great. He's not going to be up this year. I think. I think you're looking, you know, probably 2024 debut with him, which is fine. I mean, he. I think he sets up nicely with with that power and that ballpark. On top of the shown ability to hit, I mean, I think he's certainly improved that this year. We've seen the strikeout rate t- trend downward throughout his professional career, which is a positive. So, for Encarnacion Strand, I think it, it is a really positive move for both the Reds and himself and his fantasy value. So. Yeah, I think he's a top one in a prospect now, and uh, I start. I think we should treat him as such. Yeah, so I think I think I was a little bit too low, and I'm, I'm gonna assume he doesn't go into a huge funk here over the next month or so. I'm gonna I'm gonna bump him up probably inside my top 100, or, or at least in that general range. Uh, next updates, yeah, I, I like that power a lot. I think he's a solid enough hitter, maybe 255, 260 type of hitter, but 25, 30 home runs as a first baseman. I think he could be a solid, maybe not not ever uh, a starting first baseman for fantasy, but. Maybe he could develop into like a solid corner infield type. I think that's definitely possible. What are your thoughts on Steer, though? Obviously having a nice breakout year in the uh, in the upper minors, but I don't know. Do you think he's a guy that's ever – I think actually he could be 
Brandon Drury type of player. You know, solid pop, play all around the infield, but never really settled in as a full-time starter anywhere. you think there's any value to be had here with Steer, or is he a uh, kind of a sell-high for you right now? Well, I do like his ability to play across the diamond. He's shown some improvements this year at the plate, and I think he probably debuts fairly soon. I bet we see him you know, before this season's over. Probably, yeah. So I think that it could be a prime time to sell, like when he gets called up, because the numbers have been fairly solid in the minors. He stumbled a bit in AAA. In AA, he hit 307 with a 385 OBP, eight home runs and 156 plate appearances. And then among moving to triple A, you know, 242 average, but 12 home runs over three, 232 plate appearances. So, you know, the ground ball rate has shot up pretty significantly at triple A, hitting less line drives, which obviously is affecting the batting average. He's intriguing. I, I think, you know, some people are all in on him, and the stats have kind of, you know, the numbers look good overall. So, if he gets called up, I think it could present a prime sell opportunity for him. Yeah, I'm there with you. Chad. I think there's a, a solid profile there, but I don't think he's anything. I think Brennan Drury is probably like the best, you know, kind of best case outcome for Spencer C, which would still be pretty valuable. But yeah, I think this could be a good time to sell high, especially after he debuts. I do think it's going to be at some point this year. Uh, we'll see, though. And then moving over to Minnesota, Tyler Molly, I think, is obviously a, a big value boost here. You know, we talk about his home road splits with uh with the, with the reds and this year they weren't quite as drastic like last year was just ridiculous look at last year home he had a 563 era and 15 starts on the road and 18 starts a 2.30 era whip 104 to 148 this year there's still a solid split but not quite as big like i mentioned home in 12 starts 476 era 142 whip so that's still not that great. And on the road, 383 ERA and seven starts and a 0.98 whip. You know, he, he has better strikeout and walk rates home and on the road as well. So getting into Minnesota right now, I think this goes from him being a guy that I had ranked probably right around like SP 50-ish, uh, you know, give or take a little bit either way for the most part this year in my rankings. I think now he's bumped up probably into like the 35 to 40 range, kind of like a for 12 teamers back end SP three type of player, maybe even a mid to upper, you know, he could be a top 25 arm rest of the way. We'll see, see how he settles in, but definitely a, a nice value boost here for Talamali, both short-term and long-term. Oh yeah, I agree. The ballpark upgrades significant. You mentioned splits. They're there and that's, that's a reality. So I think that just all around, it's a huge improvement. The defense gets better. The ballpark gets better. So it is a, a good move overall. The other big name on on the mound here to be traded near the end of the trade deadline day, Noah Syndergaard going to the Philadelphia Phillies from the Los Angeles Angels. I don't know how I feel about Noah Syndergaard right now. Like it's nice to see him back on the mound, and you know, in general, he look he looks fine. But this is not the same Noah Syndergaard that we saw, you know, with with the Mets, you know, back a, few, a handful of years ago when he was. Lighting up the radar guns, and he was never a, a huge K rate guy, but this year the K rate has really gone down. And 80 innings, you know, 383 ERA is solid, 121 whip is all right, uh, but he only has 64 strikeouts in those 80 innings. That's an 18.9% strikeout rate. Looks like he's pitching the contact a bit more, and the walk rate is still pretty solid at six and a half percent. But if he's below. 20% K rate with an upper th- three ERA. I mean, he's still rosterable, but 
he's a guy that's more like a back end, especially in 12 teamers. He's more of like a back end guy. You know, what, what are you looking to do with, with Thor? Do you think there's, you know, better seasons on the horizon for him? Or do you think the best is behind him? And this is kind of what he is at this point. Yeah, I kind of lean where the best is behind him. It's it's not, you know, the case where I'm looking out going to get him in Dynasty League. I, I don't know. It's weird. I think that he could be better, but he just doesn't really have it right now. And so I'm just kind of thinking he's just a guy at this point. And he had his moments, you know, at different points of his career. The injuries obviously piled up, but, you know, I just don't think he's the same pitcher that we've seen at points. So I think he's just going to be, you know, an average starter, in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. And that's not really, like I said, he's still worth rostering in, in 12 and, and 15 teamers and deeper, obviously. But yeah, I don't, this is a different Syndergaard. I think this is probably what he is pretty much moving forward. I think the key could probably tick back up over 20%, but I don't know if we're seeing like 25 plus percent from him anytime soon. Philadelphia made another, this is kind of a, a fun little trade here, Chris. Phillies acquired Brandon Marsh from the Angels. So two de- two deals today between Philadelphia and the Angels, and you know the Phillies been looking for their kind of a center fielder. They get him with Brandon Marsh. They send Logan O'Hoppy, who we've talked about here a couple times on Toolshed. We saw him live, obviously, out in the Arizona Fall League last year. Kind of a big rising catching prospect that's still pretty undervalued. Going out to the Angels, so this is a nice little fun deal here. Obviously, Marsh, solid power, speed blend could be like a fifteen to twenty homer, twenty to twenty five steal type, but Man, Chris, those the K rate just has continues to get worse. And even after last year when it was high, we're like, all right. I think most people are like, you know, yeah, that's a concern. But you know, he was better in the minor league, so let's give him some time. But this year, it's been just as bad, or maybe even worse. I'm trying to pull up the exact numbers here. So last year in 70 games, he he posted a uh, let's see, 60, 35% strikeout rate. This year in 93 games. That rate sits at 36.2. And he's hitting 226, 284, 353. You know, eight home runs, eight steals. That's still pretty solid. But do you think maybe this, a change of scenery and getting him out of kind of that dysfunctional Angels org will be, be good for him? He's in a good park now, good lineup. That's a, obviously an offensive minded lineup that they have there, a lot of bashers. So maybe getting him with all those guys can help. What are your thoughts on Marsh? You, you buying low or are you worried about that K rate? It's just got to make more contact at the end of the day. That's that's the issue. I mean, his contact rate, you know, hovering right over 70%. His own contact rate is is brutal at 78%. So that's got to change. I mean, could he tap into power? Certainly. The power speed element's good. I mean, 8 and 8 is pretty solid. You know, that put him like a 15 15 type player with, I think, you know, a little bit more power in the profile than we've seen. But he's just got to make more contact. And really, when he does, just make more good contact at that he's not barreling the ball well he's not hitting it hard obviously so that has an effect so i've definitely faded marsh a good bit which is tough but the upside's there and hopefully he can unlock that in philly but no guarantees by any means now who would you if you if you had to trade for one right now in dynasty between brandon marsh joe adele who just might open up some more playing time for him out in los angeles or Brendan, uh, not Brendan Lowe, Josh Lowe in Tampa Bay, kind of all similar, talented but flawed outfield prospects that have had up and down careers. You had to trade for one of them in Dynasty right now. Who would you trade for? Probably going with Josh Lowe. I just think the power speed upside in his profile is better than the other two, and yep. all three exhibit the hit tool concerns. And so, 
if Lowe figures it out, the upside is is much higher at this point, I think. Yeah, and I think he can get some some additional playing time here down this road. I would agree with that as well. I would go low. Uh, between Marsh and Adele, I don't know. I, I've been fading them a good amount. And it sucks is I liked both of them coming up through, but like I said, the contact skills just haven't been there. The K rate is just way too high. There's too much swing and miss, too much chase in their profile. So I don't know. Marsh, I might lean him over Adele because Marsh, I think, still can provide some speed as well. When I don't know how much speed Adele provides moving forward. So I think I would say, yeah, I would lean, I'd go low marsh adele in terms of uh, how i'd rank them in terms of buying low in dynasty leagues but that, that was kind of a fun little deal marsh to marsh to philly and o- logan ohoppy to the angels and ohoppy too he's a very underrated catching prospect we talk about all the the really good catching talent in the minor leagues right now that are coming up through towards the major leagues and he doesn't get talked about enough and i, I think he's probably like a back-end top 10 catching prospect in that range i think he's like top 150 ish overall for me i think i even saw uh, who was it? Oh, our buddy, uh, Chris, uh, baseball pods, put out his dynasty five Oh five. I think he had him as his 50th prospect or 52nd. Somewhere's like that 50 to 55 range. So he's even much higher on him than I am. So yeah, definitely a nice, good value play in dynasty leagues. Mr. Logan. Ohoppy. sticking in the national East. There was a lot of national league East movement today. Let's go over to your Atlanta Braves. Chris I mean, a few deals today. Uh, the biggest one, I think, was obviously getting Raziel Iglesias from Atlanta, sending Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson over to the Angels. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, this bullpen. And they also spent, to add to it, Will Smith, who's not really been that great, over to Houston for Jake Oda-Rizzi. Let's focus on that bullpen, Chris. How do you think this shakes out? Obviously, the uh, A.J. Minter's been pretty solid, but Jansen's back, from uh, at least for now he is. Jansen, Iglesias, you think it's kind of a split there? How do you see this bullpen playing out in Atlanta the rest of the way? Yeah, I would think that Iglesias grabs the closer role. You know, it's hard to imagine that Jansen just goes out of it, but you know, do they know more about Jansen than we do? Right. And I guess that's the question. He's had the heart issues, which are obviously a concern, and he's also had some other injury concerns. So I'm interested to see how it shakes. I mean, Jansen may get the next shot. He had a clean save in his last outing, so could he get the next chance? Maybe, but it's it's hard to imagine that Iglesias doesn't get some saves. But I will say this move's definitely to set up Iglesias as a closer for the future for the Braves. I mean, Jansen's on an expiring contract. Iglesias around the next three years. You get Will Smith's salary off the books, who's making 13 mil this year. You add in Iglesias, who's at 10 mil this year, and then 16 next year. So kind of all balances out in a way. And it was obviously a good move. That bullpen, the back in the bullpen could be really nasty. So a lot to like there. Obviously, outside of Mentor Jansen and Iglesias, there's a ton of talent in that bullpen. So even without Will Smith, who is far from a fan favorite in Atlanta, even though he was really good in the postseason last year, yeah. It's uh, kind of good riddance to him. So Odorizzi's <laughs> interesting. Um, I think that it's kind of insurance if you know Strider needs to have his innings limited a bit or Ian Anderson continues to to be bad. So, I mean, Odorizzi's not great, but he's okay. So it's a, it's a good innings eater option, and Odorizzi's a good locker room presence as well. So, you know, the moves made sense there. I think the Robbie Grossman one's pretty underrated, and Grossman has had a – Awful year. Last year was obviously his career best year. Hit 23 home runs, stole 20 bases. You know, 
239 average is nothing to write home about, but he had a 357 OBP. But he's going to be strictly in a platoon, and that's fine. I mean, you look at the splits this year as against right handed pitching, 143 average, against left handed pitching, 364 average. So pretty substantial splits there. And he obviously just mashes. I think he had above 1,000 OPS for against uh, righties or versus lefties, sorry, as a right handed hitter. So it's a clear platoon bat. And yeah. I think it makes sense to pair him with like Eddie Rosario. So it could be a, a definite lineup upgrade there. Yeah, it kind of feels like that Eddie Rosario type of move too. That you made you made that move at the deadline last year and that worked out very well. Obviously, he he won was it NLCS MVP that he won if I recall. He did. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that we'll <laughs> do that, but it kind of feels like that same like you know it's kind of under the radar move, but definitely a good move. More to, obviously from a real life perspective for the Braves, but yeah, some, some nice little you know Braves didn't have a huge deadline, but obviously getting some bullpen help, getting Oda Rizzi, you know, getting uh, Grossman. I think that was a solid uh, trade deadline for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, sticking in the National League East here, some more. A lot of other moves here. Oh, before basically, one thing I wanted to mention too with Oda Rizzi out, Houston could afford to trade a Jake Oda Rizzi. Obviously, they're running a six man rotation already. Very good rotation at that. They have Lance McCullers coming back soon ish, I think, hopefully. And Hunter Brown is just waiting in AAA for his chance. So, do you think, obviously, I think it'll still take a injury or so, but do you think we see Hunter Brown this year, Chris? I want to see Hunter Brown. And obviously, I wish he was in any other org, so he'd probably have a better chance to. He's just thoroughly blocked. But do you think if there's an injury, you think he can get a shot? I think so. I think that he's uh, one that you could potentially stash in a redraft league. I think that he's going to get his chance, we'll say, by mid-August. So give him a couple more weeks, and I can see him giving a shot, like at least to see what he's got. I mean, they could use his arm in the postseason, even if it's in a bullpen role. Like, you never know when you're going to need that extra arm, especially that can go inning. So get him some major league experience. I mean, think about the World Series when Morton went out after after two, and right. you know you ha- you have you need that experience, and you need someone that can go deep if you need. So I could see them giving him a shot just to have some experience before the postseason. So I'm kind of on board with with seeing some Hunter Brown this year. Yeah, I am too. He's a top 100 overall prospect for me, probably top 15 or so in terms of pitching prospects. So yeah, very he's still very underrated as well. I I don't know why, but he's definitely one to target in dynasty leagues. And I, I agree. If if you've got a deeper redraft league, and you can stash a prospect here or two. There's not many left that I would look to stash outside of Miguel Miguel Vargas, who just got called up, who we'll talk about in our next episode as we're focusing on trade deadline stuff here. Um, but yeah, there's really not many left to to stash, and, and he's definitely one of them. I love Hunter Brown a lot. Uh, a lot of other moves here that are just minor here. We'll kind of I'll say them all, and kind of we'll see what we want to pick out of this. So Darren Ruff went from San Fran to the Mets for who I call Darren Ruff Jr. and JD Davis. They're very similar players, just about eight years apart in age or whatever it is. Miami traded uh, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop to Toronto for Jordan Groshans. We also had Jorge Lopez going from Baltimore to Minnesota. Tommy Pham was acquired by the Red Sox for a player to be named later, who is not expected to be a top prospect or any any substantial prospect from what I've heard. And then the Red Sox also trading Christian Vasquez to Houston for Emmanuel Valdez and Willier Abreu as well. So I think you know what I want to – the Groshans deal, you know, I think people still think that Groshans is top 100, 150 or so. He's not. 
I've been fading Groshans hard for a while now. You know, I saw I've seen him live on a handful of times uh, when he was in Double A. I think there's still some solid context skills. He's only hitting 250 on the year, but I think there's some solid average OBP skills there. But there's no speed, and there was minimal power that's even gone down this year. I think his ISO was like 046 or something like that. I think he's a poor man's Luis Arez, and that's maybe being nice. I don't know. I don't see a lot of value there. So if you can get a you know a top 150 prospect for him, I would make that trade in the heartbeat just because his name's in the in the media right now because he was in that deal. I think people still think he's better than he actually is. Actually is so definitely a sell for me in dynasty leagues here. But Chris, what are your thoughts? Any anybody you know anybody you want to talk about here? These last handful of deals. I'm glad you mentioned that about. Uh... Groshans is just he's pretty easy to fade at this point. The power's not there. Just kind of interesting. You know, JD Davis, I really like the chance to get a, a fresh start in San Francisco. It's a, a good bat, in my opinion. He does a lot of things well. So I'm kind of a fan of this move for Davis. You know, Ruff's obviously gonna lose some time in New York. That lineup's you know pretty stacked. And Manuel Valdez is a good pickup by Boston, in my opinion. You know, Vasquez. Wasn't didn't have a future home in Boston, in my opinion. So Valdez has really popped off this year as an older prospect, but I think he's really solid and he's on the cusp of debuting. So, you know, he could see, I don't know if he gets caught up this year, but he definitely could see some time next year. So it's intriguing there, but yeah, pretty, pretty wild deadline all around. Yeah, it definitely was. The last thing I wanted to touch on here, the uh, Jorge Lopez going to Minnesota, that was kind of an intriguing deal because it probably Lopez is the closure there. Obviously they still have Yohan Duran and who else did they acquire? Oh, they acquired Michael Fulmer from Detroit as well, who's having a pretty solid year. I think it's still gonna be I think Lopez will be the guy. I think you'll probably see Duran and Fulmer factor in to a degree, but I think the lead guy will be Lopez there. And then in Baltimore, I think that opens up the, the clear ad here if you haven't already added them is Felix Batista having a very good year. It looks like he's going to be the next in line for save opportunities with you know, the deal of Lopez to Minnesota. So he's a nice, intriguing pickup for, for them. But yeah, the Vasquez deal, I think he's still a, kind of a more of a C2 for two catcher leagues. Emmanuel Valdez, I agree, has some intrigue. I don't have him quite as high as you do, Chris, but definitely some intrigue there with the bat. We'll see if this late kind of older prospect breakout is for real. Darren Ruff, J.D. Davis. Yeah, D- Davis, too, I was hoping – Maybe just giving him a, a fresh start. He kind of fell out of favor there uh, in Queens. So maybe getting him into San Fran to give him a shot to see if what he can do. Because I think you mentioned the bat of all data has always been pretty solid for the most part. So definitely intriguing there. But overall, this was a fun deadline. I'm surprised we could keep this under an hour for all the <laughs> moves that happened here. Luckily, we already talked about the uh, Luis Castillo deal. That would have added probably five, six, seven minutes. But Overall, really fun deal. We're getting some more prospect stuff and dynasty stuff over on our next show, uh, which we'll be recording Sunday and recording or putting out there on Monday. But that's going to wrap up this episode here. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time from a fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.